Welcome to the 4-H Lunchtime Ladies podcast, the podcast that will help you build your 4-H house one lunch at a time. This is hosted by Megan Parr and Wendy Scott, 4-H specialist in Texas. Hey, Wendy, how's it going? Oh, it is fabulous, Megan. How are you? I'm just peach cane. Good. All right. Weather report. I mean, on the bill. it's a new season, but the same old, same old, right? It is. We always same. have to check the weather. Yes, we got to start off with the weather report. I mean, that, it, it's not the, the lunchtime ladies without it. I, I agree. I agree. Well, here in the Ville, it is gorgeous. It's a little chilly, but the sun is shining. It's a beautiful day. Yeah, we're not here. We're a little cloudy. In fact, <laughs> when I came in the office, which I love rain, but it was this just little sprinkles, a little chilly. I love it. My husband's actually out on the lake. He was crazy enough to go to the lake today since the wind wasn't blowing. But we're to, we're in a wind warding tomorrow and Sunday, so that's coming. I mean, oh, awesome. Again, that's, just, a, that's called a Tuesday in Lubbock. We're used to yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't be the high plains or the south plains if it uh if the wind didn't blow at least a little bit. Yeah, I mean that's that's what keeps the crazy people out of here. They just think yes. it's a terrible area because of the wind. So I'm like, oh, it's yeah. it's really way better than that. So we are very excited to kick off season two. Season of the two, like, hard to believe, isn't it? Man, we uh, this is awesome. I can't believe that this lasted for a whole season, and now we're in season two. Season two, and and things have gone on, and and some of you knew we spoke to Kansas 4H. To their, their hey, uh, Kansas, we told them we'd even come to Kansas and they seemed welcoming until yeah. we actually show up and they'd be like, oh, we didn't really mean for them to come to Kansas. <laughs> <laughs> we were just being nice on Zoom. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, if you want the lunchtime ladies to speak to your state, we'll, we're happy to, person, we'll go, we'll go wherever <laughs> we want to travel again. Um, specifically Hawaii <laughs> and, um. Idaho, Utah, any of those places. Oh, that would be good. I go to Wyoming. I would go to, sure. go back to Yellowstone. I would go there. I go to North Carolina. We go hit some Hilton Head. Oh, we could do that. Tennessee. Yeah. yeah. And not to leave your states out. We love your other states. Alabama. I go, oh, I go down to Gulf fun. Shores. Yes. I was like Gulf Shores. I went to Tuscaloosa once. I had a great time. So, I mean, we'll go anywhere. Have microphone. We'll travel. That's right. We can go anywhere. As long as we have learned through all this, if we have a computer and internet and not even computer, Megan has a fabulous iPad. I need to buy one. Yeah. I can record off my iPad. Yeah. We can go anywhere we want. If we're desperate, yeah. we can do it off our phones. Yeah. Have done that before. So. But we we are truly beyond excited to be with you this season. And it's a it's a different shift. So y'all know if you kind of looked at our topics last season, it was very much more management. Mm -hmm. This is very project driven this year and we're trying to keep it pretty broad so it fits other states because we know contest wise we're a little bit different than some other states. Yeah, I would say last season was more um, professional development, mm -hmm. like how to develop the extension professional and this one is going to be more youth development, um, which coincidentally is our topic for today. Yes. And one that I'm not going to lie, kick me in the pants a little bit. Mm -hmm. And it makes you open your eyes and really think about the way that we do things. Yes. And how as an agent, and I told Megan before we came on that, you know, sometimes when we do this, I'm like, gosh, I wish I could go back to being an agent. But the things I learned from this, I've got a, and I was telling Megan this, I've got a food challenge coaches training coming up. I'm going to a new 4-H clubs meeting that the things that we're going to talk about today, I can apply it to those groups too. So it's, mm -hmm. it's going to bring a new avenue even to things we do as specialists, but definitely things that people could use as agents. I really do believe this. So yes. I agree. Yeah. Youth development, Megan. Youth yeah. So let's start there. The whole route. Um, I don't know how many people know this, but if you're a 4-H agent, your title is actually 4-H Youth Development. Mine and Wendy's titles are both 4-H Youth Development. And so I think we're really, really good at focusing on the 4-H the part of it, but we're not always super good at focusing on the youth development part of it. And so that's what we want, really want to hone in on today. Um, but let's start at the bottom. Let's start at the basics. What is youth development? And, and why should we care about what it is? 
And why do we care? And I, Megan, I'm glad you said that about 4-H youth development because not many years ago, we were 4-H and, and there was an ampersand in there, 4-H mm-hmm. and youth development. And there there was no separation. So that ampersand got pulled out and it is 4-H youth development. It all goes hand in hand. Yep. Yep. This is the root of everything we are. Now, did we stop and think about this before we plan projects, 4-H meetings as an agent? I didn't. I'll be honest. I'll be honest. I didn't really think of the youth development component of it. I just knew we either had a food challenge practice or we had some community service we were doing. And I never really thought about the youth development. So I'm going to throw myself under the bus today. Me too. You know, and, and, and I would say as agents, we tend to plan often on, on the fly. And so when we do things like that, it, it doesn't leave a lot of room for us to think about youth development. And it, it maybe is doing a little bit of a disservice to our students in the fact that they're not getting the best learning experience that they could get. Oh, that's so, a good point. Yeah. Yeah. So you're so smart. Um, <laughs> hey, I've had extra caffeine today. So we are on point. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and for the, for the lunchtime ladies, it's a Friday because we're recording on a Friday this week. So yes. Yes. Um, okay, so what is youth development? Youth development includes a wide range of things. What I'm going to focus in on something is a statement put out by the um, National 4-H organization that says that it is a multidimensional experience that integrates transformative relationships, learning environments, learning pathways, and learning outcomes. Um, the center of the 4-H learning experience is a youth learner and the educator connected by transformative relationships. And so um, that's a lot of fancy words that boils down to youth development is, is the way that we teach our kids and the experiences that we provide them with that help mold them into who they are going to be. Yes. And, and y'all will tell you what, Megan had read that from, this is an excellent article. Excellent. And I'm sure it will go in our show notes. And so I sat down and read that same thing. And there's some really specific points that I pulled out from it, just some bullet points. Dealing with youth development, hands-on is important. Now, that's not to take away from the other types of learning. And I think we've got to make sure and have, uh, I'm I'm sorry, I need to hang up on somebody. Um, Sorry, did y'all hear that? (laughs) Let me email somebody here in just a moment when you're talking, Megan, and tell them I cannot speak right now. Um, We can't forget auditory. We can't forget visual. We can't forget, especially if any of you had any kind of education classes in college. We learned about the different types of learning, but hands-on is so great for most of our kids. And think about what they've done all day long. If they're in school, they've been in school all day, and then they come to us, and then we we want to create this typical classroom where they're still sitting. They don't want to do that. They want a hands-on. So I saw hands-on was one big thing. I love this word, intentional. Mm-hmm. Intentional, that there has to be an intention behind it. Sequential. Again, if you've had any education classes, you know what that sequential means. And Megan hit it right there, partnership. And I'm going to step on some toes. There are some places in our country in 4-H where we have taken the program away from our kids. And we wonder why we lose them. We wonder, you know, why do they not come back? When it is dictated by the adults in their lives, whether it's the extension professionals, it's the volunteers, it's the club managers, when it's dictated what those kids are going to do, especially when they get into high school, when they're still being told what their project's going to look like, how the club meeting's going to look, and they're getting no say-so, that is not the co-learning that Megan mentioned. Uh, built around the youth, and I think that fits the same. This was one of my favorite things, and And, you know, we were so busy in some of our projects that we were going from project to project to project to project. We never let kids take time to process, to reflect, to think about what did you learn? How can you apply this outside of 4-H and really make those connections between 4-H and real life? Because they do connect. A real world application, which to me is part of that reflection. And then I love this verbiage, scaffold learning. And to me, that still goes to that sequential, that it builds on something else. And you had that scaffolding, scaffold learning is what I'll call that. So I'm going to pause and, and uh, let you speak, Megan. I, I did my bullet points real fast. Yeah. So um, one of the things that I think we, we often, like we said a while ago, we learn, we learn on the fly. 
And are we playing on the fly? You know, I mean, how often do we plan a, a club meeting or a project meeting or something the day that it's supposed to happen? And I think when we do things like that, um, we don't have time or the energy or the depth to really plan out those things that Wendy just talked about, the sequential learning, the scaffolding learning, the partnership between the adult and the, the student. We don't have time to plan out um, several different ways of learning. We don't have time to do all of that. So I think what this comes back to is a lot of the, the things that we talked about in season one, where we wanna make sure that we're giving ourselves time to plan out these experiences for our youth. Because at the end of the day, we are, we're educators. Whether you're an ag agent, whether you're a family community health agent or a 4-H agent, we are educators. And that is our job is to educate our, our students. And so if that is our job, then we need to take some more time to put into the education and the planning of that education. <laughs> and so, um, and to make sure that we have those good experiences. Megan, I love that right there. And I know people listening are probably going, now, wait a minute. I've, I've got all this other stuff going on. I'm going to stock shows and I'm doing this. So you're, you're really saying you expect me to take some time to plan these things. <laughs> yes. 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 And, and the lunchtime ladies will too. I'm, I'm going to already take time to sit and plan because I think what you're going to find, if you haven't already done this and you get in the habit, you take that time to plan these things, then it just becomes second nature, but it's going to be hard on the front end. Yeah. And do you have to do it for, um, like once a week? No, sit down one time a month and plan out your whole pro all your project meetings for that entire month. What are you going to do at each meeting? You know, and, and then you have a game plan and you know that you have these things already set up, ready to go. Um, one of the articles that we read talked about the environment that you want to create for the students to learn in. Students are not going to learn in a stagnant, negative, poorly put together environment. They're not going to get out of it what you want them to. And so we have to take a little bit of time to consider our essential elements. I'm going to let Wendy touch on that in just a second, um, to put together a positive environment for our students to, to learn in. And by using these essential elements, we can create those environments. Yes. And we've, and we'll have this in the show notes to the, those eight essential elements, there's four categories of them, but what's cool is, and, and, and so let me give you a visual. And I, I told Megan this, we always do some preparation before we start. You know, really, if you remember nothing else today, and I know you're smart people, you remember everything we say, <laughs> but when you think back to and take the, notes, I mean, and take we, notes, we, that's we what we are. expect. We know you are. Pull your car over, <laughs> take some notes, but think about, yeah. think about it like this. Do we always remember or do our kids understand the, the point of our four H's? Or do they know we're called 4-H, but they never really thought about what those stand for? Or, okay, they stand up there and they say the motto and pledge, but do they really understand the concept of our 4-Hs and how everything we do, everything, project work, leadership, community service, everything relates back to those 4-Hs. And that really hit me yesterday. I'm like, I think sometimes we completely forget the meaning behind those 4-Hs. So to really Think about that. And again, if you, as you're putting this together, if you use nothing else we talk about, if you don't even go to the eight essential elements and that, the eight essential elements still tie back to the four H's. That's the point is they go back to the four H's. So you have the four categories, you have head, heart, hands, health. And then under that, there's the four categories. So we have independence under head, under heart, there's generosity, under hands, there's mastery, and then under health, there's belonging. And then there's the eight parts that fit underneath each one. So I, I don't know how deep we want to get into this, Megan, if we want to talk about each one or what we want to do, but, but thinking, I just think of those four big ones of how can we, in the things that we do, project meetings, 4-H meetings, et cetera, how can we bring in independence for some of our kids? How can we talk about generosity? And, you know, I will say that's one thing 4-Hers we're, usually we don't worry about us being a generous. We're a pretty generous crew mm -hmm. anyway, but really making that deep. 
a mastery of something. And isn't that great to think about that our kids can leave masters of something, masters of some kind of project. I mean, I know here in Texas, we have STEM ambassadors and livestock ambassadors and no, and water and, uh, and healthy Texas people. I mean, we've got all kinds of ambassadors going on in Texas that they can leave a mastery, a mastery of knowledge, maybe of skill in an area. How great is that? And then the whole belonging. And aren't we glad that kids belong in 4-H when, when sometimes they don't have another place to go? And I'm going to turn yeah, it back to you. Um, <laughs> I think so. Awesome. So I think that those um, also spend into some of the life skills that we want to teach our kids. You know, um, we want these eight, these essential elements to happen, but then we want these essential elements to, to transform and to turn into the life skills that we want to teach our kids. Um, I'm going to shift for just a second. There's a really awesome article that Wendy um, sent me that we have used in a couple of other things. Um, and it's the life skills wheel. And it, it talks about all the different things that, um, that our kids get from, from these these elements from their heart, from their hands, from their head, from their health, from the belonging, the generosity, the mastery, and the independence. There's things like service learning and decision making. And um, I'm just pulling a few out character, how to manage your feelings. I mean, how big is that one? I'm 34 years old and still sometimes don't know how to manage my feelings. <laughs> um, you know, at least on my face, they might not come out of my mouth, but they sit on my face pretty, pretty well. Um, you know, conflict resolution. We've done a whole podcast episode over that and how as adults that sometimes that's hard for us to do, but there's, um, there's ways that we can use these elements to teach our, our students, those skills to make sure that they, when they are birthed from our program, they go out into the world as competent adults. And that to me is the whole purpose behind the 4-H program and youth development is so that we take our students and we mold them into competent, well-rounded, put together adults who can function in society without having their hand held all the time. Yep. And, and that life skills will, you know, I pulled that out several years ago. I think it's on the Iowa 4-H site. Thanks, Iowa, for doing that. Uh, shout out to Iowa. We'll go to Iowa. I, I, I was in Iowa a couple summers ago. Um, but from that, if you look at that life skills will, those are also related to our four H's. So again, everything ties back to those four H's. And those of you that are in Texas know, and, and I think I've said this on a podcast before, the area I work in, which is District 2, we're known for being a little, we like our competitions here in District 2. And Corona shut that down for us. And so we had to make a whole shift in our thinking because our four H's were still turning to us for information. So we started this last summer, Hot Summer Projects. Well, I took on junior leadership. And so we had some kids through the district involved in that. And I focused back on the life skills wheel. And so each week we would talk about, like we started with head and I would describe what each, I call it the spokes. There's spokes that come off of it. And we would talk about a spoke and then I would give them a challenge related to one of those spokes. And then, so we did that on head first. And then we went to heart and we talked about the spokes and I gave them a challenge to do with heart. It took the shift off that competition, but it did exactly what Megan just said, that it's not about, are they learning to cook and food challenge? Are they learning to sew and fashion interior design? Yeah, those are great skills to have, but looking at that life skills wheel, are they learning life skills that are going to make them productive citizens in society now and in the future? And everybody always says the future, the future, the future. What about productive kids now? We need it more mm -hmm. than ever, more than ever. So I challenged those kids and I said, as you get into your projects, as you get into your competitions, don't just think of it as a competition. Look back and pick out what spokes have you utilized, what spokes in that life skills will you utilize. And again, that ties back to the eight essential elements, which ties back to the four H's. It all fits together. It all fits together. Yeah. So as you're, as you're talking about this, the one thing that is like standing out in my head is our scholarship applications. So for us here in Texas, we are in our scholarship season, I guess, um, where our 4-H foundation scholarship applications are due. And, um, I've read a lot of them, but I can tell you that the one consistent thing that I have said over and over and over, probably on all 25 applications is tell me how this 
experience is going to help you as in your future. Tell me what you learned from it. Tell me what you grew from it. Tell me what life skill you learned from there. Well, here's the thing. This life skill will are the things that we should be teaching every day in our project experiences so that when those kids put together those scholarship applications, they already know what they learned. They already can say, hey, I learned how to be um, a critical thinker because I did this particular project. I learned how to, how to work as a team because I was on this team with this project. Um, these are the things that we need to be teaching our kids. It's so important. I mean, not just for the scholarship stuff, but it's so important for them as people. Um, well, now I, I have a, I had a whole train of thought, but that train left that station. It left me standing on the platform. All right. Well, I've got, I've got the engine. Okay. I just hooked up to your train. Cause I'm running. Okay. You take I'm, it away. Wendy. I'm picking up what you're putting down, baby. All right. <laughs> and to me, if we are really utilizing the life skills, will if you'll, I'm telling you, if you'll utilize this, it will change everything. Because, and I think all of you will be able to answer this as we're talking on this podcast. You're in your car, you're sitting at a restaurant or whatever, and, and you're like, oh, I can answer that. The cop out answer when we interview seniors and we always say, what life skills did you learn? Two cop out answers. I learned leadership. That's usually number. I learned leadership and I learned communication skills. Teamwork. teamwork teamwork third one yeah teamwork you share that life skills will with them and especially when they get to be seniors and they're looking at instead of adults telling them well this is what we're going to learn today all right kids what is something and well no i need to see now my i'm i'm jumping all over the place instead of saying this is what you're going to learn let those high schoolers because we know that, and that's going to lead us into ages and stages in just a minute let them dictate this is what i want to work on and here's what that's going to turn on or turn into those are those soft skills that employers are looking for. I mean, and if we can't use our 4 H program to teach those things, again, we've done a disservice. And Megan said, we've done a disservice of teaching them those skills that they're going to take into the workforce. Boom. Got that thought finished. I, I mean, and, my. <laughs> I, I want to circle back to what you said while ago about um, not just creating these students for the future, but we're creating them for right now. How, how frustrating is it to sit somewhere with a group of kids and you're trying to pull these things out of them? You're trying to get them to just have a conversation. You're, you, you know, we said it at the beginning that we've taken this program away from the kids. And it's not just, it's not just our, our adult volunteers, which is what we see most often, but it's the agents, it's the specialists. I'm guilty of it, just as guilty of it as the next person where I put together that agenda. I put together that treasurer's report. I put together that program for that club meeting. I did all of this stuff, but I sat here and said, okay, kids, okay, kids, it's you, it's you, it's you. It needs to be you. You need to do this. But I gave them no power to, to do that. I, I didn't set them up for success. I didn't teach them how to put together an agenda. I didn't teach them how to put together the treasurer's report. I, I did it. I did it all myself because it was easy. And that's yeah. what I had time for. I didn't have time to take the time to teach them how to do those things. Well, what's going to happen when they become the adult? And now what are, what are they going to do? They don't know how to do those things. You know, they don't know how to put together an agenda. They don't know how to put together a treasurer's report. They don't know how to pick someone up and call somebody and say, hey, can you come speak at our meeting this month? They don't know how to do that because we didn't empower them to do that. So we have to take the time now to teach our students these skills to and and set them up for success and give them the tools they need you know so that we aren't so frustrated with it when they don't do you know how much i like i want to stand up and start clapping right now i'm at my desk and i just <laughs> want to stand up and be like yeah yeah but she's exactly right and i as an agent i was guilty of it too yeah i was guilty because i would try to empower the kids but i hadn't given them the skills and I always use the verbiage skills and knowledge that's a big thing with me I hadn't given them the skills and knowledge they needed to let them take the reins. So it, most of it fell back on me. It was my fault. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like, we're, we're asking them to build a house from start to finish, but we've given them no training on how to do plumbing, no training on electrical work. And we took all the tools out of their toolkit <laughs> and said, here, build a, a house, <laughs> but you got nothing Good to luck. do with it, homie. <laughs> 
and and then you're sitting there going frustrated. You're being frustrated because you're like, Hey, that has to be done now. And, but, and they haven't done it, but they don't have any tools to do that. And so that's where all of this youth development stuff really comes into play and why it's so important for us to, to take these, this understanding of how kids learn and why they learn and why it's important for them to know these, these elements of what do we call them? Essential elements elements. and these life skills. That's why it's so important for us to, for us to understand them so that then we can translate that to our students to build those learning experiences up. I didn't know where that was going, but I'm sure glad that plane landed where it did. Well, and okay. I'm, I'm, I'm texting you in. Here's my tactic. I'm a lot because I'm thinking on this too. Megan, as you're saying that, talking about the house, I think that's a great visual. And let's go back to some of those things that talked about from that. There's a, again, the PDF from National 4 H about the 4 H learning experience. And I'm going to go back and hit on some of those things again. Think about it hands on, intentional, sequential. It's a partnership, it's co learning between the adult and the kids. It's built around the kids. You give them time to reflect. It's real world, it's scaffold learning. So think about that. So yes, we said, okay, go build this house. But then, like Megan said, we took everything away. But then we as the adult was like, kids, just get on my way and let me build the dang house. Yeah. Well, it's, that's not helping them. And so they're going to stand back. Again, it's not that partnership. They're going to stand back and go, you know what? I'm going to go to something where I can partner with somebody, where I'm a part of this, where we're being successful together. Yeah. Instead of here's the training, we're going to give you the tools. We're going to show you things to do. And I'm going to be right along with you. Now, again, we're going to get into ages and stages here in a minute. So let's say, you know, it's the little ones. You're going to be there the whole time guiding. It may be you get to those teenagers. If you've trained them well, that you've let them handle the power saw. (laughs) You let them put in the plumbing. You let them do these things. Because you've equipped them and think of the pride that they are going to take in that and think of how it ties back to those essential elements again, that they've seen themselves as an active participant in their future, that they're, they're learning along the way, that it, it's a positive relationship with somebody. It all, and, and again, tie back to the four H's. There we go. It all fits back together. So Thank you. And and we are the 4-H Lunchtime Ladies helping you build your 4-H house one lunch at a time. But what a great relationship to our kids. Way to yeah, go. Megan. We we also want your kids to build their 4-H houses. Yeah. You know, and to to make their 4-H houses be the best that they can be. That's right. So I, I think we should trans this is a good place for us to kind of transition into some ages and stages. It is. It is. And you know, I'll be honest, when I first heard ages and stages, I was like, <laughs> I was like, I don't want to talk about this. (laughs) I know, I know. But I'm going to tell you what, this is something that I got really fixated on. And I think I I think I got fixated on it because it's interesting to me to to break down the how and the why of different learning styles and and techniques and stuff. Um, I I don't know if and this is not a new document. This has been out for a really long time. <laughs> like really I just long. read it for the first time yesterday and Me I was too. even a teacher. I was even a teacher. <laughs> um, I'll be honest. I like, these are things that, you know, are probably in the back of your head, but when you're going through and you are rushed and you don't have time to think about, um, think about this and you're putting together a project meeting or a club meeting or whatever, the thing that we don't keep in mind is the fact that an eight-year-old learns differently and has different capabilities than a 14-year-old. And that's what this ages and stages document really talks about. And it talks about what these kids are needing in terms of their learning. What do they need? Those, those younger kids, they need a high energy, high movement. They don't need to be stagnant. They don't need to sit still for a, a one and a half hour business meeting. They need, they need extra stuff. They need to do different things. And so, um, you know, I, I think that's the best part of this document. And, and I will say with that. again, I feel bad for not reading this, but this is probably one of the biggest complaints we hear, not so much about a project meeting, because most time at project meetings, you may be broken down into age groups, but this is one thing we hear about 4-H meetings, and we've heard it for years, is how do you pattern a 4-H meeting for an eight-year-old to an 18-year-old? Because they are very different. Yeah, it's not easy. 
It's but not. There easy. are some some things that are similar. There are, and and I mean, we've seen clubs that say, you know what, we don't we don't want to try to keep everybody clumped together. Maybe we'll meet together short as a big group, and then we're going to break off into age groups. And we see people do that to make it more age appropriate. And I think that's a good idea. Yeah. Um, I think something else, like, I think some of the common things are, um, those <laughs> older kids, they want the leadership. They want to be in control. They want to take on the, um, the in charge role. So give them that the younger kids, they want to move. They want to be active. They want to learn. They need some hands-on stuff. So why not do that peer to peer education and, and grow those, um, those skills of those older kids. Okay. That's scary. We didn't even, we did not talk about this ahead of time, but I wrote the same thing <laughs> because I was, I did make some notes because I try to, I try to paraphrase, paraphrase things for y'all and make more bullet points. So on that, you know, those, those nine to 11 year olds, pretty much our juniors, I wrote down, you know, they like group things. They like active things short because, you know, they not much attention span happening there with those kids. They definitely need some supervision. And I wrote this word down. They don't mind dorky. They don't mind dorky. They'll check their cool at the door to be dorky. So it's talking about songs and things like that. And then a great group to have those teen leaders. And it made me think here at District 2, we do a junior leader lab. And it's for kids from third grade to seventh grade. And then we have our high school kids that have just finished their freshman year up to just graduating, come in and be the counselors. It is the most fun camp ever. But it made me think about what we do with those third through seventh graders and how it is. It's group events. They're short. They're, they're definitely supervised. We have plenty of supervision. They love the camp songs. Talk about dorky. And I always have to tell my counselors because they think sometimes I'm, I'm too cool for this. I'm like, you got to check the cool at the door because these mm -hmm. kids are all about, they want to do Little Red Wagon and they want to do ice cream and they want to sing Banana Split. And they love seeing those older kids do that with them. So it's a fun group to work with. Yeah, well, and I think that goes back to, we, we have to, it, so I'm going to, I'm going to jump on a train for just a second. Do it, get on Go your train. Me on this. And this is, this is going to be that scaffolding learning. We have to set these kids up for success by teaching them when they're younger, how to be, how to be a leader. We've got to teach them these, these life skills on the life skills will start teaching them now and then build on those so that when they are those older youth, then they in turn take it and they teach those younger kids and we just keep that cycle going. Um, but it starts, it, I mean, it goes back to the, to, to knowing that um, everybody learns differently and we have to take some time out to plan accordingly. Yes. Um, and, and yeah, go ahead, Megan. Sorry. No, no, no. You go ahead. You go ahead. No, I, I don't know what the next say, thought was. It was just, yeah, no. I, would, I would say, I'll be quiet. We're just so excited about this. Y'all really, really do sit down and read this. And I love this document because it's got the characteristics of each age group, but then it's got implications and applications. So go through and pick out some things and apply that again, your project meetings, anything you do, you can apply pieces of this. It still goes back to the four H's. It still goes back to those eight essential elements. It all fits together. Now I'll tell you the group I had the hardest time with is those middle kids. It's those intermediates. And I will tell you, I, I was a trained high school teacher. That's what I did for 11 years. I love my high schoolers, but most of the schools I was at were small. So I had to teach an eighth grade class every once in a while. Yeah. Wendy and eighth graders don't mix well. <laughs> Then my last couple years teaching, it was all middle school. And when I went to leave teaching and come to extension, my principal even said, and, and I, I did great with those kids. It's not like I was a terrible teacher. They were real hard for, they were hard for me to deal with because that's the age they don't know. Are they kids or are they adults? They don't know where they fit in life. Mm -hmm. And I could handle the high schoolers who might get a little smarty pants with me and I would get smarty pants right back. And we went on with life. Now that was probably back in the day I could, maybe now I'd, I might get fired for doing that, but <laughs> I could be smart and not in an ugly way. It was never ugly, but I could be smarty pants and it shut them down and we went on. Middle schoolers, they may have a crime fit right there in the middle of the classroom. Middle schoolers were hard for me. Now as an agent, Sometimes, yes, I remember having drama at food challenge practice. There had been a fight with some girls at school and they brought it to food challenge practice. And I wanted to tell them, suck it up, people. <laughs> but that's not what you tell middle schoolers. They're just a whole different group to deal with. So reading through their characteristics um, 
again, they just don't know where they fit in life yet. Things are changing for them. You know, bodies are changing. Voices are changing. Friends are changing. They have a lot of change going on right then. So sometimes they just have a hard time knowing where they fit. They're, they're a crazy group. Megan, how, how did you handle intermediates as an agent? Um, I'm going to be real honest. I had one that like was doing an officer, um, candidate speech burst into tears. Cause he couldn't remember in this, this was a boy. He burst into tears and ran into the bathroom and locked himself in the bathroom. I was, uh, you know, you know, those memes where it's like, you don't like to touch people. So you touch them with a, a 10 foot pole and you're like, <laughs> Hey buddy, are you okay? That that's how that situation went. And I didn't have a lot of sympathy for it or a lot of empathy because that's not me. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I though their emotions are all over the place. They don't know how to feel their feelings. They just feel them and there's not a lot of control over the feeling of them. So for me, um, I just didn't, I just didn't feel them with them. I, I will have you as a third or fifth grader and love you to pieces. You go to junior high and you come back to me when you're in high school and I'll fix it. <laughs> You'll fix all those issues. <laughs> That's kind of, that's kind From of early that adolescence. <laughs> yeah. and, and so here's how I sum them up. I, and, and I really don't even know if this is right or not. It's a plan with guidance that they they can handle some and y'all agents and stages aren't perfect they're not but there's some kids that can handle having i don't even really want to call it some leadership roles but having us say so in things they want to do but mm -hmm. you've got to be there with them as that adult really every step of the way you do and i i do go back and again my experience in middle school wasn't all so bad in fact i had fabulous kids that did great things but i was um advisor for FCCLA and I had a group that one thing I learned with that group and and I think this could apply to 4-H too I learned then we used to elect officers well what I found out is kids would get elected but they didn't do anything I know that's shocking to some of you right now no I can't I know. believe it <laughs> so one year I thought you know what I'm just gonna let anybody be on the officer team that wants to be on it and that's what happened and so I took them, we had then, back then we had career cluster meetings and I'd taken them, there was, usually they were in other states, but this one was in Fort Worth. So we loaded up, went to Fort Worth and they went to some, and y'all remember these were eighth graders. And so they went to this training on, it wasn't called Career Connections. That was the training they went to, their session. I can't remember the overall meeting. Anyway, so two of them came back and they said, Miss Scott, we want to do this. Uh, we want to do a career day at school. I'm like, okay. So again, here came the training. They they ran with the ideas. I still have that file, file folder from sitting in, uh, this would have been like 1999, 2000, of me sitting in the floor of the Tarrant County Convention Center and just writing their ideas. And they were just talking. And they said, we want to do this. And so I let them go and I just kept supporting. And when they needed to do something, I would train. And we turned out we had this wonderful career day at the middle school for 300 and something kids. Every kid was dressed up. We had people come in from Midland. I mean, we were in the middle of the oil patch, but people drove in from Midland and San Angelo. And these were ones that these five kids had called to come in and speak. And it was funny when, when a lot of these people showed up and I'm talking like news media, they, they weren't scared to call the weatherman to come speak. They thought they were talking to high school kids. And I'm like, that's what this is about. So to me, to change my shift and bring that same thinking to 4-H on, they still needed me there to guide, but mm -hmm. I trained them along the way. Yep. And I saw what happened with that event. And it was the coolest event that I'd still love to reenact as a 4-H specialist somehow. If you need notes, I still have my old notes. But those kids went on and won the National Career Connections Award and got to fly to Florida to national conference to speak about it as eighth graders so don't give up on them people don't don't give up on those those intermediate kids <laughs> no and, and something <laughs> something in here that i, I just kind of stuck out to me it was um it, it says that they may avoid difficult tasks for those those intermediate kids um, and it says to help youth choose tasks at which they can succeed, encourage them to participate in all tasks, 
assist them in eliminating their fears and help them succeed in solving and participating difficult tasks. And I think that's what you just talked about. We have to set those kids up for success. How often, because they are the awkward junior high coming into their teenage years, they're, they're awkward. They're figuring out their bodies, they're figuring out their emotions, you know, and they're kind of all over the place. But, and oftentimes that leads to them being afraid to try things that leads to them being afraid to stand up and run for that officer position that, that means that they're afraid to, to volunteer for something. But if we can kind of, in a sense, target them and say, Hey, I want to show you how to do this. I want to empower you to do this. I want to teach you how to do this. I want to set this environment up for you to have a positive experience and develop your brain and develop you as a person so that when they get to, you know, we, we start thin and then when they get to be in high school and they get to be further than high school, they've already learned those skills. We've already helped them overcome those fears. We've helped them, um, you know, give it, try the task, try the different things, because if they don't try it now, how likely are they going to be to try it when they're in high school? Megan, you just said something so brilliant. How many times? I mean, that's very typical, right? That's, I know you're like, well, yes, <laughs> that's me. thank you very much. Wendy. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> how many times have we put out on Facebook or a newsletter, officer elections are coming, get your applications in. But we gave no training ahead of time. We just said, okay, you have to have a speech or you have to do this. But we didn't train them on what they needed. And then we wondered why. Why did nobody, you know, why is nobody applying to run? Or why were those applications terrible? Or why were the speeches terrible? Because a lot of times we didn't train going into it. So Megan, you hit it right there. Well, and then I think it goes further than that too. When they do get elected to those roles, what do we do with them? They have How their title we, to put in the record book. <laughs> exactly. How are we setting them up for success? And then you're, you're not, you're not doing anything to set them up for success. And then you're sitting back and you're going, why are these kids not doing anything? Well, you've given them no tools to do the things you've got. It, it's a whole, I really, really love that term scaffolding learning that, that to me is just sticking out so much right now because it really is. All of these experiences that we provide in 4-H, they are all part of that scaffolding learning. They all sit on top of each other to help the students develop to be well-rounded students. That's that's the whole point of, of everything that we do. Yes, and going back to essential elements, life skills will, the 4-Hs, I mean, it all it all fits together, every single part of it. Oh my goodness, this makes me so excited. Maybe I'll just go out and work with some middle school kids. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so we're sitting here talking about it and I'm having these like flashbacks to the middle school kids that I had. And I'm like, I love those kids. Most of them, some of them, a lot of them, I was like, can you, can you come get your child? <laughs> Can you hurry up and get older? Yeah. This experience. But you know um, what? I look at that and that's probably when they need us the most. It is. It is. That's when they need because think of things that happen to them in school. That's when which well, picking that picking on people that have, starts happening in elementary now. But but maybe they didn't make the volleyball A team or the football A team, or they weren't elected to student council or that that we can be, and there goes back to that H we talked about with belonging, that group of the essential element, that belonging is we've got the place for them to be. Now, I'm going to say this, and this may be stepping on toes again too. Think of your 4-H meetings. Are they, in, are they inviting? Are they welcoming? What are people experiencing, adults too, because adults don't want to be left out either. What are they experiencing when they come to your 4-H activities? Is it clickish and nobody's talking to them or do they feel welcome? And I, I go back when I was an agent in another county and I had, I had a huge club and they were very clickish. And I got a call the next day from a family that went and they had a complaint that no one talked to them. We're never getting those people back. Mm -mm. It's not happening. So again, the kids sure don't like it. The adults don't either. We don't want to be uncomfortable when we go in somewhere. So think about going back again, thinking back to those essential elements. How are we creating that belonging environment at a typical 4-H meeting? How are we doing it? Yeah. I want to circle back to the thought that we had about the middle schoolers. And this it. popped into my brain right as you started talking. Okay, so 
How many times do we say we are molding our younger ones? We're molding our younger ones because we often lose, lose our older ones to FFA. Why do we lose our older ones to FFA? It's because we lost them in middle school. It's because we didn't take the time in middle school to continue to cultivate their interest and to, to engage them and to set them up for success. I think that that could be a big part in that. Sure, being in other organizations when they get into high school is more convenient, but I think that that is a big reason why we lose those those high schoolers is because they weren't cultivated. We didn't set them up for success as junior hires. So why would they continue on with it in high school when well, they are super busy? And it goes back to those relationships that usually if those good relationships are built, whether it's with the county agent, their club manager, their project leader, whatever, they're not going to leave that relationship. Mm -mm. They're, they're just not. We we want those positive relationships. Yeah, adults want them too. Yeah. So they have that true, deep partnership and whatever it is they're doing in 4-H most likely they're not going to lead that if we've developed them. Yep. I do believe that. Oh my goodness. This makes me, now I'm reflecting back on things I did just thinking that that could have been different. I wish I could have done something and I could have, yeah. I just wasn't thinking about all these different models we have <laughs> and how to think about what life skill am I bringing to this? Or, you know, is that child a, a real partner in this learning? And that, yeah. now I'm, now I'm going to segue now, if you're ready, Megan, do we want to talk about, about high schoolers? And we talked a little bit about them. A um, little bit. I, th I think we could touch on them briefly. Do I just, I love what it says on there. Um, that, uh, they want a strong voice in their planning. They want freedom from parental control. Sometimes I've told parents, you need to get out. You need to go away. Bye-bye. Mm -hmm. They want those leadership roles. And I love this one. They're interested in travel and adventure. So the typical project meeting where you're at the extension office or whatever, maybe that doesn't cut it for them anymore. Maybe they want to go on a tour that they planned. Maybe they want to travel to another town. Yeah, that's, that's good. That's what those kids want because they're thinking about future. They want to get out and see. That's important for them to do. Yep. I, I like that a lot. Um, those older kids, man, they, they do want to do that. And sometimes I know, like, for example, last night I had a Zoom meeting with my district council kids. I'm asking them their opinion on this or that or whatever. Um, they don't talk. They just sit there. They wait for me to make the decision. So you know what I started doing? I mute myself and I turn my camera off. Oh, they man. can't see me. I, I step, I tell them, I said, I'm going to step out for a second. You have your conversation. You do whatever, whether I step out or not. I mean, most of the time I don't, and I can still hear what they're saying. Um, but I mute myself and I turn my camera off. They don't see my eyeballs anymore. I'm not sitting there watching them. They, then they had the conversations. Then they, they did, they dug a little deeper. They debated with each other. They talked a lot more and it was awesome. Then I come back on and we have, they tell me what they decided and we move on to the next thing. You know, sometimes it takes the adult stepping out of the room for the kids to, to have those conversations. And I don't think that you can do that necessarily so much with the, the middle schoolers or the elementary school kids, but you can definitely do it with those high school kids. We fostered those, you know, if, if we have fostered those relationships and we've, we've developed their skills the way that we need to, we can for sure take a step out and let them run with their ideas and oftentimes the ideas that they can that they're that they have are awesome there are things that we would have never thought of no they're on a whole different level of yeah. thinking whole different level and that that's that's what we want to get them to where it's I, I mean just like right now my district president's been texting this afternoon maybe he's not in school today I don't know uh, or maybe he has his <laughs> phone at school I don't know but he's like Wendy what what dates are good for you to meet and sometimes I tell him I'm like Caden just plan it you don't have to do it around my schedule no y'all are a functional group and they really are they're functional they even did an Instagram takeover this week with different people which I don't I still need the Instagram listen whoever wants to give me one but the They've had different kids take over without me having to have my say so. And I thought, that's fabulous. Isn't that's that what your supposed favorite to be thing? Like. Yes. That is my favorite. Like last night I had one, we were talking about social media and all these different things. And, and, um, I, you know, I get onto them every month about no one's doing the social media except for me. And, you know, anyways, so one of them pops up and she goes, well, I have this idea and can we do this, this, and this? And I was like, sure. And she goes, and I'll coordinate it and I'll put it all together. And I was like. 
by all means, get a girl, please take it, get a girl. (laughs) And so she, she, and then she sent a message this morning to all the kids and said, Hey, I need this from you. Send it to me by this date. There it is. So that's what is supposed to be happening when, and, and we know it's going to be different. I mean, if they haven't been in 4-H a long time, maybe they're not in that high school year with those skills, but mm-hmm. those that have been with us since third grade, I hope by the time they get to high school, that's where they are. Yeah. I hope. And yeah. maybe they're still the quiet shy type that still doesn't mean they don't play their part. It's right. just a different part. Maybe they're not the one out in front getting elected to a position. They may be the maybe, behind the scenes person. Yeah. Maybe they're the one collecting the videos and putting a video together for Instagram. That's right. That's right. And all of those roles are important. Yes. So, yes. Okay. So all of these things. Yes. That's a lot of info. Yes. All this youth development. Why did we start here? Why is this important? Well, This, as we said at the beginning, is the foundation on which we should build the rest of our program. And as we go through this season, what we intend to talk about are our 4-H projects. And I feel like we would be remiss if we didn't start here and talk about why we teach things the way that we do and why we need to think about the way that kids learn and, and why we set them up the way that they need to be set up. And so... We started here as we continue on this season, we will be talking about different project areas. Um, We've got some day camp stuff lined up. We've got all kinds of um, different topics related to to a wide range of stuff, leadership, citizenship, public speaking, all kinds of great things um, with some ideas on how to teach these projects and um, activities you can do and things like that. So we hope that you you will continue to tune in for the rest of the season and come back um, as you can tell, Wendy and I are very passionate about youth development and, um, we get even more passionate about these projects as we go through. I'll be very honest. We did pick projects that we, um, are pretty partial to <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, we like these, um, mostly because it's easier for us to talk about those. <laughs> so, yes, it is. We were being a little, little selfish, but not really, not really, but, but not they, diverse. but, but Wendy and I also have different projects that we that we like. Yeah. So it, yeah. it does run a, a, a pretty wide range of things. And so um, anyways, like I said, we hope you tune in for the rest of the season to, to see those. Um, as always, follow us on the socials. We love to interact with all of you. And we, we want to have those conversations there that we can continue to have here in the podcast. So yeah, with so- that. We want to thank everybody for joining the 4-H Lunchtime Ladies, helping you build your 4-H house one lunch at a time. Take care and we'll see you next week. Bye. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the 4-H Lunchtime Ladies podcast. We'd like to continue this conversation with you over on our social media pages. So be sure and follow us on Instagram and Facebook and connect with us there. You can find us at the 4-H Lunchtime Ladies on both platforms.